0: listening to vet
1: candy. Hi, this is Dr. Jessica Turner and you're listening to Live and Well with Dr. Jessica. You're one stop for all things health and wellness, not just what to eat or how to move, but everything in between. And today I have an extra special guest because she's one of my best friends and we're going to be talking about a topic that I don't think is talked about enough and um, it's even more important as we head into the holidays and that is sobriety and you may be listening you may think well I don't have a problem with that but I hope you still tune in because it doesn't have to just be for alcohol or whatever you know you're thinking when you hear that word it could be for a lot of different things that you're just trying to get away from so I can't wait to welcome on Kimberly Parham like I said, she's one of my best friends. She and I had been business partners for the last three years. And so, as you can imagine, we've grown really close. We feel like we Um, live life together, um, even though we're miles and miles apart, and we only get to see each other a few times in that span. But I can't imagine life without her and her family. She's been married to Clark for 15 years. She has two daughters, Sadie, who's almost 13, which is so scary, (laughs) and Nora, who's nine. She's lost 100 pounds and shed guilt, shame, and baggage from her past, and she's celebrating three years of sobriety, and she's obsessed with Christmas. Um and so we had to figure out a way to have her on the holiday special. And so today we're we're going to be really trying to give you guys just a plan uh going into the holidays if you're trying to, you know, practice sobriety, you're going to get a lot of value out of this. So so excited to have you on Kimberly. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So I always just kind of kick things off by, you know, what's your story? Uh, What's led you to where you are today? Um, Doing the work that you're passionate about. You're going to weave in that part that is dealing with your sobriety. But I'll just give you the stage. Just tell us about Kimberly.
2: All right. Well, thank you. I am excited to share. And Jessica just about made me cry introducing me because she is one of the most special people in my whole life. I'm 37 and I spent my entirety of my elementary, middle and high school really just trying to impress everybody. I had a lot of pressure on myself. I wanted straight A's. I wanted to get into all the colleges I applied for, varsity cheerleading, um, the highest choirs, state competitions, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I always, always wanted to just achieve. And looking back, I can see now that that was my desire to kind of be a happy place in my home. I didn't recognize it until I was in my 30s probably, but my parents struggled. My parents both worked like three or four jobs, you know, just trying to manage to put food on the table. My dad struggled with alcoholism and I grew up watching that and watching my mom battle that and try to be strong for our family while my dad struggled. And to me, in order to deal with stress, I learned to drink from a very young age. I started drinking when I was 15. At first it was partying and just on weekends. And then it became a way to focus on papers and just get schoolwork done. It was a way to manage for me. It was a way to calm myself down. And then As I got into college, it became a way to mask what I didn't realize until I became sober was my anxiety. I have always thought my whole life that I was this super outgoing, exciting, social person. And I think I still am. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram seven and I am the life of the party and the positive poly and all of those things. People tend to say that I'm the glitter in this situation. And I love that. About- <laughs> I love that about myself. But as I've gotten older and as I've allowed myself to step away from using, deal with the situations that I'm in, I've realized that really I do recharge alone. I like quiet time and I do get anxious in large groups of people. And I think I always have. And I used alcohol to let go a little bit of, of that control.
1: When you were just starting off in talking about, like always wanting to have that achievement. And I'm like, Oh, our listeners are going to automatically relate to this because obviously you don't have to be a veterinarian to listen to this. You're not a veterinarian, but so many veterinarians struggle with, we're so type A, we want everything to be perfect. We want to be the top of everything, the best at everything. I do truly believe that that plays such a significant role in a lot of things that we're kind of battling. And so they're in good company. You know, (laughs) they're, they're hearing from someone that gets that struggle. Uh, I just appreciate you sharing that far back because I think it's important. So why don't you kind of shed light on what got you to the decision? Okay, enough is enough.
2: So in 2018, I had separated from my husband. Actually, the year prior, 2017, my drinking had led to looking outside of my marriage for attention and just not caring. I was drinking so much that I just didn't care. I was not physically or mentally present in my life. And I had these two beautiful girls and this husband that was working multiple jobs to let me follow my dreams of being a stay-at-home mom and building my own business. But I was too blind to see that he was working for me to fulfill my dreams. And I just thought maybe he was gone all the time and that he didn't care about me and he didn't want to be home. And so I drank to numb that feeling of loneliness. And I looked for attention outside of my marriage and I left him in... March of 2017 and everything kind of hit the fan in September of that year and I didn't get sober right away but I did uh, find my faith and I realized everything that I had to lose that I had this man that was fighting tooth and nail for me regardless of my actions and that he wasn't going anywhere that he was going to stick around and that I had these gorgeous girls to set an example for and i didn't want for them what was going on with me and um, it wasn't until 2018 when i challenged myself to a sober october i was like i'm gonna do this like no drinks at all we're going into the holidays let's see if i can do this and i i did it i was sober for the entire month of october in 2018 and on november 1st 2018 i decided to celebrate sober october with a couple bottles of wine Cause I did it. (laughs) I woke up on November 2nd of 2018 and I was in a hotel room. I was at, uh, on a business trip at that time and I was hungover. And if you are somebody who drinks, especially wine with all that sugar content, uh, the older you get, the harder it gets to deal with how you feel the day after. (laughs) Um, so I, that straight up in bed, and I was like, "Man, this feels awful." But not only physically did I just feel like death warmed over. I was like, "Man, last night, if my husband had called me and said, like, one of our girls is in the hospital and I need you to hop on an airplane and get home, I would not have had the wherewithal to take care of my family." That was the wake up call for me. I needed to be. I, I'm God put me on this earth to be mom. Like if I cannot be Mom number one, like you know, and wife, and be there for my family, then I'm not doing my job that I was here to do. So I needed to to give it up completely. I have no respect for it whatsoever, so it's it's all or nothing. We'll be
0: right back with more vet candy. Hey, this is Dr. Quincy Hawley, and I'm here to tell you about a new show. It's Vet Candy Rounds with the Hawleys. That's right. Dr. Tierra, the love of my life, and I have teamed up to bring you the most fascinating cases in the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or a podcast platform of your choice, only on Vet Candy Radio.
1: Yeah, I think that's important that you recognized that I know I could relate to challenging myself to something, whether it's a span of like eating really clean or but then rewarding myself with what I just eliminated. And it's just it's so silly when you think about it. It just makes no sense at all. But I know there's people that can relate to that. And, you know, I I think it's safe to say that you're at a place now where you can look back and you could be thankful you know, for how things played out because it did lead you to where you are today. It's easier to just wish none of it would have happened, but then you wouldn't be able to speak into people's lives the way you do too on the topic. So it's just such a scary thing to when you're in a place where you know you need to give something up or you know it's being a detriment to your own life and your family, but not even knowing how to start. And I think, Sadly, sometimes it takes a huge wake up call, you know, like you explain to get to that place. But man, if we could help people avoid getting that far and, you know, if they're listening and and maybe they're, maybe I am kind of pushing the lines with what's okay. Um, I've been telling myself that it's okay because we see so much of it in today's society and culture. It's natural to want to go home after a hard day and drink a glass of wine or a beer or what you know i've done that so many times when i was in in practice and i truly think that just as much of the actual alcohol that you're drinking the effects it has just the the ritual of like okay this is gonna help me wind down this is gonna help me forget about what I just had to go through, you know, today, I think just recognizing from the get-go that you, when you're trying to stop anything, you need to replace it with a healthier alternative. So I would love for you to kind of share what that beginning walk looked like. How did you go about doing this and doing it successfully? Because I mean, here you are three years out and you're still sober. That's a really good question. And I'm thinking back and I remember actually talking to you about it
2: as I was going through it. because an addict is an addict is an addict. And a lot of people can have a problem with alcohol and abuse alcohol or substance or anything, abuse fitness, abuse food, whatever it is, and not be an addict. I would classify myself as an addict. I have a very addictive personality and you have to be careful when you're replacing habits because an addict's behavior is to become addicted to something else. And so I made the mistake of replacing my alcohol use with Over exercising. And there is a healthy way to do that. And then there's the way that I did that, which was like exercising twice a day, two hours a day, and really focusing on like getting my body back after abusing it with alcohol for so long. And I found really the one thing that I could replace my alcohol use with was journaling. It was the best thing I could possibly do because it wasn't something that I was trying to change. About my physical or mental self. It was something where if I needed to get away and I felt anxious and I felt like I needed to, you know, numb or something, I was able to just go sit down and get it out of my head. And I wasn't trying to uh, manipulate anything and I wasn't using anything. I was literally just taking everything that was inside of me and getting it out. I think habit replacement is absolutely
1: paramount, but I also think you have to be really careful. No, I'm so glad you brought that up because it is so true. And I remember many conversations with you um regarding, you know, that fine line and, and being afraid that you were stepping over another one to get away from, you know, the other. And I do think that, you know, the whole reason I have this show is for mental well being at the top of the, you know, wellness talk. Like you mentioned, there's a huge correlation between you know, addictive personalities and other mental illnesses. And I think that it's safe to assume that a fair number of people within our profession fall in that category and may be unaware of the fact that there truly is, you know, such a thing as an addictive personality. And I think it's one of the, uh, on top of all the other things, the stress of our work and, just stress in general of, of life and trying to balance it all. It's really smart to just know that that's a thing and to become aware of your own way that you operate um, and start questioning, can this maybe be me? Because it, it does play a role if you're trying to step away from something. Okay, maybe I shouldn't even give this as an alternative because it's such a slippery slope, like you were saying. And I honestly don't know... I don't know if I knew that you journaling was like your main thing, but I I know for me, it's, it's such a, such a therapeutic, cathartic process. I I really think just finding a way to, again, to you recognize the link between underlying anxiety. And so being able to like to get that energy out and redirect your thoughts to a place that's not just focused on worry, that all kind of boils down to just being aware of yourself and things that are kind of like maybe um, standing out as, you know, red flags and kind of just taking all of that and putting it together whenever you're coming up with a plan. Like, did you participate like in a support group? Did you have certain people that you had like in your corner? Were there tips like that? You know, I had experienced AA with my dad and I had participated. I had
2: gone with him when I was younger to kind of help him just support him. And that was not an experience I wanted to have. I actually felt like it would be detrimental to me because I didn't want to be around other addicts early on in the game. I'm much more comfortable with it now, but I went to a support group through my church. It's called Restore. And we actually use the 12 steps that they use in AA, but they tie scripture to it. So they gave me a platform to be able to get up and speak in front of others who were struggling and family members who were struggling. And I invited my family, like my parents and my husband to come and listen to these talks that I was giving and I think one thing that's really important is to understand your style of leadership, whether it's like, you know, support somebody from the back corner type of leadership or like be on the, you know, on the front lines. And for me, Um, my pastor actually like lifted me up in leadership because he saw that I was somebody that would shine in that area. And that the accountability of putting yourself in front of others and saying like, this is where I am. This is my story. This is my goal. Now people know me in our community and know that I'm sober and know my story. And I feel so accountable all the time because of that. I've been put in a place of leadership um, within our church family and within this restored sure community, which is not just for our church family. It's open to our whole community. So when people see me out on the streets and stuff, we live in a small town. They know, They know who I am. They know my story, but my husband is very supportive of me. He actually still does drink. He does not have an alcohol abuse problem, but he's very respectful. If there are times that are, you know, I'm dealing with anxiety or depression or just really stressed out, like I'll ask him not to bring alcohol in the house because I'm home alone a lot and I'm a stay at home mom. I'm not comfortable being around it in the fridge by myself. Um, and there are times where I'm totally comfortable with it. So I just have to be able to advocate for myself. And I think that's really important to number one, to advocate for yourself. Number two, self audit. Like that is the hardest thing to do. I think when you were talking about like know where you are and and be able to say like maybe this is a problem, maybe it's not. We all want to say it's not a problem. Nobody wants to admit that they have a problem. So being able to like just take a quiet moment, take a walk, take a drive, and be like, you know, is this something that I need to address? Because I talk to my children often about they they are like, oh, daddy drinks. Was that bad? And I'm like. No, daddy has like one or two beers on the weekend, you know, and I I talk to them about respecting alcohol and how I don't have respect for it. And that's why I don't use it. But it's alcohol isn't bad. Like alcohol is not the problem. It's the use of alcohol and how you use it and why you use it. And so I'm trying to teach them from a young age that it's all about knowing you know, your limits and your boundaries. And I just don't have any. So <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I, I think that's great. And I'm glad that you kind of circled back and really honed in on those points because I can't help, but, you know, I've, I've never been in this specific walk, but I can't help but think that the reason people do backslide is because they're not stopping and making these assessments and and saying, like you said, okay, I'm struggling with this right now. And so I'm going to be more likely to lean on that as a clutch again. And so I shouldn't even have it around me. Again, because of the type of person that's probably listening to this, we see that as a sign of weakness. We see that as like a step back. And so we'd rather not um, acknowledge it, but then we end up really falling back um, when we don't. And so I really love that you kind of like brought that point home well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to dig in specifically with the holidays because it's probably the most festive time of the year including the amount of alcohol that is involved with it which isn't a bad thing but it could be a struggle if you're facing what we're talking about today so we'll be right back (laughs)
0: We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy Life is a talk show hosted by well-being gurus, Dr. Quincy Hawley and Renee Michelle. Each episode features expert tips, lifestyle advice, and real-life experiences from the most interesting people in the world. Check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. Welcome
1: back. You are listening to Living Well with Dr. Jessica. I have Kimberly Parham on today. One of my best friends uh, and we are just digging into her sobriety story and she is about to share some of her best tips and tricks of staying on track, especially as we head into the holidays, just because it's there's so many reasons to celebrate. There's often, you know, more parties than ever and it could be an extra challenge. And so I thought it would be fun for us to leave you guys with some tangible resources, action steps that y'all could take with you as we go into the holidays.
2: Some of the things that I like to do is never go to a party empty handed, first of all. If drinking is something that is gonna trigger you, if other people drinking around you is something that's gonna trigger you, know your drink of choice. Like I know for me, it's wine. And so when I see other people drinking wine, it's triggering for me. I want to participate too. FOMO is a real thing. I I like to drink kombucha out of a wine glass. It's got that, you know, festive flavor. You can find ones in holiday flavors. Like right now, there's a gratitude one by GT. It's absolutely delicious. It's spicy and cinnamony and clovey and wonderful. And I'm sure for Christmas, they'll come out with, um, you know, another festive one. But having a drink in your hand is helpful because number one, idle hands. You don't want that if you uh, if you find yourself anxious or, you know, wanting something that you shouldn't have. But also just knowing like. For if my husband, for instance, wasn't drinking, he would want something that was more like a non-alcoholic beer. And we would just come prepared for that. So we're actually going to my in-laws for Thanksgiving. And my husband and brother-in-law and father-in-law love to sit down and have beer. So we just fill a cooler full of kombucha for me so that I can sit around the fire and
1: participate too. I know I've found that as well. And I think so much of it is a mental game. Like you said, FOMO, it's really hard to be in a situation with others and honestly if i'm i mean if i'm really being honest it even if it's something that i don't enjoy drinking it's still just the act of you you almost if if you're not careful you could tell yourself that you're not really a part of whatever's going on if you're not drinking which is so silly but i know that i'm i'm the same way and i've actually had a lot of fun with finding alternatives and i do like doing kombucha too and that one is definitely one of my my favorites it's not that easy to get around here though so I remember being with you at a a conference after I think it was you were a year sober and it was that kind of you know there was a a bar open all the time and you would always order you know when you maybe can't bring your own stuff what is your favorite thing to order
2: Oh man, I'm so simple. So there's a ton of mocktail options out there. And like Jessica said, finding some other options. Um, A lot of bars and restaurants now carry zero proof liquors, which is really cool. I had this Upside down shaken pear zero proof something or another. When I was in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and it was delicious. But I'm really simple. When I go to the bar, I make it very clear that I am sober, or I I don't even have to say like I'm sober. I say things like I'm the DD, or I'm taking care of this crew. And so I I love having that sort of as an out if you're not comfortable talking about your sobriety. Like be the responsible one, you know what I mean? Be the mama hen. But I love a seltzer water with a little bit of like a splash of pineapple. So, cool. And I asked them to put like pineapple and cherry in it. So it looks real special. And then I love seltzer with cranberry and a lime on the side. Those are my two favorites. They're very refreshing. You can drink them all night over and over and it's not heavy on your stomach. So you can always have something in your hand. And I also, during the holidays, if they have like a restaurant or if you can, you know, get them, if you're going somewhere, having fresh cranberries in your drink and then like drinking, eating them after they've been soaking in the seltzer water, they get a little soft, they're delicious and they pop. And it's
1: amazing. Cool. (laughs) you got me wanting to try that. I keep thinking about the wedding we have coming up and I'll probably do those that you just suggested. Hopefully they'll have a a nice variety and not just the bare bones, but, and for anyone listening, if you're listening to this before you see the book, that's going to go along with this. We included so many fun sections on kind of the best non-alcoholic spirits out there, more tips and tricks in like a written form on how to to stay on track during the holidays. I want to say we even included like why does it even matter? You know like what what does alcohol do to your your body and and why would you consider eliminating it even if it's not a problem per se. And so make sure that you're checking out all of the goodies that we have in the holiday special in the ebook because yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to work on. And I learned a lot from others that, you know, like this is their way of living, like whether it's a personal choice from the get go or, or more along the lines of your story. And we are so used to seeing the side of things where so much is surrounding alcohol that we don't realize that there's a really decent amount of people out there that choose to abstain from it for whatever reasons. And you're likely going to have some uh, somebody else in that boat with you wherever you're at. Of course, if it's like a really small get together, um, that may not be the case. But I think being able to go into it with the mindset of not like a deprivation. I think that's where we get in trouble with anything. You know, when when you're trying to give up sweets or whatever it is, like when you look at it as I can't have this because you're automatically going to focus on what you can't have and that it sucks. <laughs> I know that's how I am. I've gone through different periods where I've had to be really intentional with, okay, I'm not gonna say that I can't have that. I'm gonna say that I'm choosing not to have that because in return, I'm gonna get this. And so be you know, more clear headed, um, be able to be more present and enjoy you know, the holidays and be able to soak up every moment and actually be able to remember it the next day
2: we said about like being at a, especially like for me, I get stressed out when I'm around like a bunch of family members. I think that's probably safe to say that we all do. Many of us do anyways. And if you can step back and say like, why am I having a drink? If you're having a glass of wine or a beer, or, you know, a, a mixed drink or whatever, because you truly enjoy it, it's going to enhance your experience. You're going to like to have that. It's tastes good with your food or whatever. Like that's a great reason to have a drink during the holidays. But if you are going to drink because you're stressed out, you're unhappy, you're not where you want to be, you're not done Christmas shopping, whatever it is, you're, you're probably going to have a tendency to drink more than you intended to, because you want to get away from that situation or not in this situation. And then think of like, I don't know, you're can't or your uncle bill when you were five and how they drank too much at at a holiday gathering and you're like dang i don't like that's what i'm gonna end up being like i might be belligerent i might say something i don't mean i might you know embarrass my kids or whatever it is and so if you can gather yourself and be like why am i having a drink and am i going to enjoy it or am i doing it to get away from something like you can kind of stop yourself in your tracks there and be like i don't want to be that person at my holiday gathering
0: We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most fascinating people on our planet. Our entertaining, continuing education programs are made for your streaming world. Fabulous, fun, and free. Available on demand anywhere and anytime. Don't miss out. Subscribe today on iTunes, YouTube, or a platform of your choice. Or visit mybetcandy.com for more information.
1: Yeah, no, that's so good. I really do believe that so often. I know for me, at least, it's gotten a lot better. But I could so clearly see that the reason I, I drank, you know, in a lot of situations is because I wasn't comfortable in the situation. Whether I was you know, at somebody's party and I didn't feel like I fit in for whatever reason. Or we always joke when. So Kimberly mentioned she like brings the glitter. Our running joke is that like she's the fun one and I'm the serious one whenever we (laughs) work together. But that's it's true. Like that's how I'm wired. So when I go somewhere, whether it's this wedding in a couple of weeks, I tend to be more, I don't want to say uptight, because I'm fun. I don't want y'all to think I'm not a fun person, but it takes more for me to be able to relax. And so for a long time, and I mean, you know, for a lot of situations, like I could see that that was a big part of why I was drinking. Um, This is going to help me take the edge off. This is going to help me be able to talk to people in a way that appears normal versus just being, you know, um, closed off and keep to myself. My husband and I are are both like that. And so a lot of people, Get a not so great impression of us because we're just really, we come across as really serious, quiet people. And I think for both of us, you know, alcohol kind of like allows us to shed that and have a little bit more fun. And sometimes we don't know like how to get to that place without it. Like, do you have tips? Like, I'm dead serious because I'm like, how do I get to that place without (laughs)
2: listening to you right now? Obviously, I'm not a therapist and. I'm, you know, I'm not a counselor or anything like that, but listening to you right now, before I even asked my opinion, I was like, well, you already know, like it's mental. You already know that. So just like take down the wall. I know that sounds so much easier said than done, but if you are going into a situation and you already know that's how people perceive you and you don't want to be perceived that way, then just be like, I'm not going to be that person. Like I'm going to let loose. Like I don't need anything inhibiting my brain to be the person I want to be.
1: Yeah. Like you said, easier said than done.
2: I know I'm loud, obnoxious one and it takes, takes a lot for me to like take it down down a notch. I'm too much for people, you know? So I have to go into a situation, kind of gauge the crew, like, can they handle all of Kimberly or can they handle like quarters of Kimberly? And I've got to like, give myself a breather before I walk in and be like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to like 75% this, we're going to dim the switch just a little bit (laughs) or we're going full on hundred percent.
1: For me personally, okay, if you're listening, you're like, all right, I'm totally on Jessica's team. Like, I don't know how to loosen up. I automatically thought of music, probably. That would be the thing that would like put something on that's just going to naturally get me in a, a fun mood while I'm getting ready. So I could already kind of be in that state before even getting, you know, to where I am.
2: Yeah, and make yourself a little mocktail while you're getting ready to get yourself like, okay, this is what I'm going to be drinking. This is going to be yummy and I mean, I'm just thinking like, you know, gangster rap messy bun, you walking around with your your little glass and your straw and you're dancing you've got like mascara on one eye and you're getting ready like, yeah, that's that's a great idea. Music I think speaks to you and I both. So, I would be jamming all the way up until I pulled up to the door.
1: <laughs> Everybody, so if you're listening, you're like, Gangster rap, oh my goodness, that really used to be like, and it would shock people because people would automatically assume that I was like a country person. That's probably the thing I I can't stand listening to the most, <laughs> and so yeah, that used to be my go-to. But the last couple of years, it's it's Christian rap, which is just as good, Um, but just a couple of days ago, I was sending Kimberly screenshots. Try not to dance while you're listening to this. So that's why we're able to like joke about this because it's so true. And she knows me really well because that's 100% what it would be. Okay. Say our listeners are like, okay, well, I may not be in this situation, but like I have a loved one that is like, like what's the best way that like a friend or a family member can support you um, or someone that's trying to um, establish this sober lifestyle. Does that make sense? (laughs) I don't know. Are you talking
2: about like specifically during the holidays or just in general? Well, I
1: mean, in general and during the holidays, if it's different
2: tips. Just generally speaking and during the holidays, you as somebody who is maybe trying not to drink or, um, you know, use any substances or lean on something else to get outside of your mind where you are right now. You need to advocate for yourself you need to say like this is my plan i it's going to be really hard for me because maybe it is if it's not then be like i'm good to go for me i know like on the car ride to my in-laws house i'm gonna have to say like this is going to be tough for me and if i ask you not to drink is that okay and my husband is super duper good as is my mom my dad and most of my friends that i hang around like if we go out to dinner or um, we're coming back to the house to hang out or whatever, they're all so good by saying like, are you comfortable? Can I have a drink around you? Is that okay? And I think that that surrounding yourself with people that respect your decision and also respect where you are in your journey is super important, but they won't know to ask if you're comfortable if you don't speak up for yourself first. So we actually went to a super fancy restaurant and had like a dinner date for our uh, anniversary, our 15 year wedding anniversary. And we were, I had this beautiful mocktail and they came out and started pairing wines with his dessert and talking about all of these wine pairings. And I was like, hold the phone. I'm not okay with this. And he had been drinking a beer prior to that. And even like a whiskey sour, whiskey and Coke or something, I was totally fine with that. But when they started talking about the pairing of the wine and how it affects your palate and what it's gonna do for your dessert. I was like, whoa, okay. Like, not okay with that. And he was totally cool with it. He's like, okay, 10-4, I got it. Like, no more wine. And just having having people around you who respect what you're comfortable with and what you're not. And it's gonna change day to day. It's gonna change event to event, year to year. Just speak up for yourself.
1: Yeah. Do you have any advice for someone that might have a family member or a friend that's not very supportive, may even be adding to, I don't want to say to the problem, but they're adding fuel to the fire that you're trying to put out. Do you have any advice for people that may be in that situation? Were you ever in that situation? I'm not sure how to deal with that with family because my
2: family is very supportive. I'm not sure how to, like, if it's not your your spouse who you're living with or something, or, you know, your partner, I think it's probably easier to just say, maybe you need to take a break, remove yourself a little bit if it's your spouse, I think that's, you you could get to the point where you need to sit down and have a real heart to heart with them and possibly even get some counseling involved. But for me, I was actually at a gym that was a party gym and we partied Friday nights and we really did a whole lot of stuff that was revolving around drinking and eating bad food and all of this stuff. And so I had to leave that gym and that was really hard for me because I loved going to CrossFit. I loved, um, you know, lifting heavy weights and stuff. And I I feel like I lost a lot of friends when I had to leave that, that atmosphere. But I also really feel, you know, you have to, like I said, I, I've said it a million times, you have to advocate for yourself. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable. And I always talk to my kids about like most of the time, if it's the hard decision, it's probably the right decision. And you know, that's so hard to, tell little kids, but honestly, I think it's harder for an adult to take that advice because we're set in our ways. Like we're going to do, I'm an adult. I can handle this. I can do what I'm going to do. But it was a really toxic
1: atmosphere for me and I had to leave. It's weird. So, I mean, this was like before I had kids, but it was a very similar atmosphere. And I just think it's really ironic that, (laughs) you know, a group that's focusing on their health and fitness, you know, could have such a close tie to these, you know, not so great um, habits. Because I mean, I, I still see it, even though I haven't been a part, you know, of that particular group in, in a while. But it's it's true. I mean, when you establish friendships in that kind of a, a setting, and when you stop doing a particular activity that is somehow tied to, you know, what you're trying to cut out, it can be really hard. And then it, it that could lead to you feeling even more isolated, which we know how slippery of a slope that is and just being really aware of that effect on you and your future choices as well you know whether you need to be more intentional with other friendships and getting together for a cup of coffee or whatever it may be but again replacing what you feel like you're losing with a healthy alternative well as much as i don't want to wrap things up <laughs> Um, I always want to leave our listeners with a way to connect with you, to keep up with your story, follow you. So do you mind sharing that? Sure.
2: You can follow me either on Facebook or Instagram. My Facebook is just facebook.com forward slash Kimberly dot S dot And same with Instagram. It is just at Kimberly S dot P A R H A M as in Mary. And I love sharing my story. I think that it is the utmost level of accountability. So I would love to hang out with you guys over there too.
1: And we'll, um, we'll include that in the notes for the episode too. We know it's not always the easiest trying to translate (laughs) social media accounts.
0: We'll be right back with more Vet candy. If you're like me, you want to improve your skills. And for many of us in the veterinary field, that means improving your surgical confidence. That's why VetCandy created a master course in surgery. The master course provides veterinarians and veterinary students with focused education on surgery. The program is taught by a board-certified veterinary surgeon and delivers a thorough evaluation of the science, surgical environment, and skills needed to create and maintain a surgical practice. And what's even more exciting, the course is free and also provides race and New York State-approved continuing education credits. Plus, when you complete the modular program, you receive a certificate of completion and exclusive marketing tools to celebrate your accomplishment. This program is brought to you by PRN PharmaCal. You can start taking it for free today at myvetcandy.com surgery.
1: It has been an absolute blast, and um, I know we kind of talked about sending our listeners off with a a little festive tune. I don't know if you're up for that. I will kind of sign you guys off, and then we will be able to listen to Kimberly. She has a beautiful voice, you guys. She sings at her church, has been for years, and I still remember when you sent me that Marco Polo and she was terrified to, to try out. And I'm like, what in the world? I never, like, I did not realize that you could sing. (laughs) Um, and so I just want you guys to be able to share in that, that gift. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, this is Dr. Jessica with Living Well. Until next time, we're going to sign off with, with Kimberly singing us a, a Christmas song.
2: I'll be home for Christmas, you can count on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents on the tree. Christmas Eve will find me where the love light leads. I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams.
0: Beb Candy. Beb candy. candy. It's Beb Candy Radio.